Welcome back to the Jan Auden Podcast. That was flat, <laughs> but that's okay. We're with Caitlin Green, Adam Karsh. Listen, is anybody having good things happen to them in 2020? I want to say that I'm very grateful to still be alive and that I don't know anyone that's had COVID so far. I know one person in New York, but she didn't die. Um, how's your 2020 going, Caitlin? Like what is there? Tell me something good. Let's give these listeners, let's really be positive. This is going to be a positive show, everybody. <laughs> well, okay. So I, I find I've been, I think I've been lucky and I'm knocking on wood cause I'm a superstitious person like that. I hate to say that, you know, things are going okay out loud. Cause I feel like it's a challenge to the universe, but, um, yeah, no, I mean like <laughs> thankfully I'm still working. Uh, I work for a morning show here in Toronto and mm-hmm. I honestly couldn't be happier with how our company handled the pandemic. Um, I've been allowed to broadcast from home. They set me up to broadcast from home right away. I have felt like super safe to be doing that and still able to work, which has been a blessing really. Um, my husband has a, you know, he has a different working setup, but he's still working too. And the people I do know who've had COVID have recovered, uh, fully recovered, like nothing okay. lingering. So that's all good. It's been a beautiful year weather-wise. I mean, if you're going to be stuck in Canada, not able to travel anywhere, for us, at least here in Southern Ontario, 2020 was the year to do it because... So much it, here. Not so much yeah. here. A lot of rain. <laughs> okay. Well... I'm sen- I wish I could send some Toronto sunshine your way, okay. but it's been, it's been hot and nice here. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, personal stuff I- included into the sphere of 2020, I think it offsets all the bad things that have been happening in the world because the world's kind of intense, but I have a few friends who, you know, this year they struggled for a long time to get pregnant. And this has been the year that they became pregnant. I had two friends who gave birth during like the height of the pandemic and they had successful, healthy births. And then they all took off to the cottage and decided we're going to spend the rest of lockdown with our new babies up north. And so, yeah, I mean, there's been some really like there have been still obviously moments of joy that have happened in all of this bizarre 2020 news cycle headlines, all that. Adam. So, I mean, I'm used to this now and there are, are things that I like about it. Am I allowed to say that? There's things yes, that I like yes. about this. That's what I want to know. I want to know what, what's, what's the positive takeaways. What, I mean, we have to live our lives while this is going on. We can't wait for lives to start again. This is it. I've upped my cooking game because, you know, we're, we're yeah. cooking from home so much. So I'll say that I've discovered some new recipes and I'm, we're, we're cooking a lot more at home and we're eating great. And I like that. And I do miss going downtown. I live in the suburbs north of the city, north of Toronto. I, I miss going downtown into the station, seeing my coworkers and being, you know, working on Queen Street West and, and all that stuff. But I'm loving working from home. I, my stress level is way down. I don't oh, have to schlep the girls to school. I can relax in my sweatpants. And <laughs> and I'm I'm loving the laid back lifestyle and especially with yes caitlin as you were saying with the warm weather we have friends in the neighborhood we see people we can sit on a patio now we can sit in someone's backyard it's actually way better now than it was back in march when it was like what the hell's going on so there's some good in it for sure i feel like people are actually now would you say we're into month four of this yeah, like yep. easily. Okay. Yes. So if, if end of March things really got real, then we're into month four. I feel like people 
are actually finally starting to hit that rhythm. I think for me, I was in denial for 10 weeks easily. I'm like, this can't be happening. And to be honest, I was one of those people I thought that it would be resolved. I thought, no, once we get into June, July, it's, it's going to be resolved. They're going to have something for it. And I, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you that I really, I felt like we'd be on the other side and we're clearly not. But I also know that I have to start living my life like this is my life. I was in a bit of a holding pattern. Do you guys find that, Caitlin? Like- yeah. Yeah, I did. I was definitely just sort of frozen. It felt like because you're waiting for reality to really settle in. You live your entire life one way and then all of a sudden you're told to stay home and do an about face. So yeah, and you and I remember like watching all the news conferences, like waiting every single day to tune in live for the prime minister's announcement and his speeches, and watching the numbers really, really closely all the time, especially because of my job and what I do for our morning show. Um, so yeah, I was really involved in that. So it did make me feel quite frozen and quite like oh, like just like I yeah, like holding pattern is the exact right term. And then now things have loosened up because, you know, humans are resilient and we'll be able to get used to things and learn how to make do and find things to look forward to. Like, I'm sure it's sad that we can't travel internationally and that restaurants aren't a thing anymore and all that stuff. But I'm just happy I can see some of my friends and family again and that the sun is out. So it does really make you appreciate the small things. The sun has been such a huge difference. Like sunny days almost seem like you can get through it. Um, and, and the fact that things are opening up a little bit, it does feel like we're going three steps forward and two steps back when you, when you do see some of these people kind of overdoing it, being in bigger gatherings. Uh, I saw a picture in the UK last week of this beach near Bournemouth, which is kind of on the southwest coast of the UK, like two hours outside of London, right? And they opened London up a little bit for people to travel to Dorset or, you know, see relatives, have your bubble. Oh my God, you guys, I don't know if you saw a photo. There was tens of thousands of people on this beach. And I'm thinking, this is where my mind goes every single time. Where is everyone peeing and pooing? (laughs) So even when, you know, the the marches with the BLL, the BIPOC movement, you know, all that stuff that we saw with the the protests, first thing, where's everyone peeing and pooing? Where are they going? (laughs) And, uh, but it, it was gobsmacking to me to see all the people on that beach. And we I'm had like, two of those, we had two of those beach incidents of our own here in Toronto. Um, yeah, and, I think I saw them. Oh, and I saw, I saw, I thought one of the beaches when I saw it, it was posted on a social media account. Uh, and I thought this has to be Florida or something. And then I read it and it was Woodbine <laughs> beach here in Toronto. And it's people like not just standing close Ooh. together. But like grinding on each other, like partying, drinking, they're sweaty. Yeah, there's definitely no public washroom usage happening. Um, I think they're all probably just walking out into the lake. And it Good was times. Just, it was just, I mean, A, that whole scene, not for me when we aren't in a viral pandemic, but when we're in the middle of a viral pandemic, no, thank you. Um, so yeah, people forget about stuff. I don't blame them for feeling antsy and wanting to no. get out there and live their summer best life. But Absolutely. Um, but I'll just I, be on my balcony. I, personally, I personally would never go. I would just, I would not say to, I don't think Adam would say to his two kids and his wife, let's go to the beach. So <laughs> as much as it looks like horrendous, that is such a small percentage of people that are willing to risk 
life and limb. And it is life and limb because people are getting stuff amputated now, as you know. The, there's mm-hmm. a whole other clotting aspect and organ failure aspect of COVID. You know, it's a it's blood vessel just, disease, really. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it is. So it's, yeah. it's, it's long past like lungs and things like that. But I just, I guess, I just am not a risk taker. I'm yeah, one of those that, people, yeah. I, still sit at, I still sit at home and I'm, I'm afraid. And there is something to be said for the gift of fear. And for me, I do treat it as a gift. Like I, even with an, in an elevator from the time I was 20 something years old and started traveling with music, I would never get into an elevator filled with two or three people. I will wait, especially if it's men. I'm like, oh no, I, I pretend to be on the phone and I get the next one. Yeah. And now elevators are like a whole new ball game just based on like proximity. What do you do if you're in a building with 40 floors? Like what, what are they doing? Tell, tell me, cause I don't know. I'm in a building with seven floors. Okay. And we're trying not to share the elevator beyond our households. Although recently that's become a little more relaxed. Uh, most people will try to be considerate and keep a mask on when you're in the elevator. Our building has been fabulous. They clean everything all the time and the residents are pretty considerate. But yeah, so the idea would be that you don't really want to get out. Like if I saw elevator doors open up and there were just three people standing there without masks, no way am I getting on. I'll yeah. take the stairs. Yeah. But you know what has happened now? People that already drove me nuts in life. And again, I'm referring to fully, <laughs> I'm referring to able-bodied, like they don't have a stroller. These are just people who are healthy walking around. So okay. Okay. But they get on at the second floor and go down to the ground floor. <laughs> they go down one floor. So this, this is pet peeve time. You, you oh, feel I like they should be. I hated that before and I hate it now. So they should oh. be walking down the staircase to get it to It is one flight going. of stairs. Like it's one flight of stairs. And being on the top floor of the building, like I'm on the seventh floor of the building. And I think like we oftentimes don't have that option really, or it would be a lot longer to do that. And like, I would say that one of the big bonuses to being on the second floor of a multi-level building is that you can take the stairs. <laughs> Drives me Ladies crazy. And gentlemen, that was Caitlin Green. And that was her <laughs> Mick Mercer, Mick Mercer, Mick Rick Mercer, Rick, oh. <laughs> Mick Mercer. That was her Rick Mercer rant. Hi, I just dropped mushrooms. Um, how are you guys big sports fans? Not really for me. Uh, so like, is that, cause I know sports are really kind of sputtering there. They look like they're going to do the big relaunch reboot, getting into, you know, the, the, uh, the summer, what do they call that summer camps for baseball and, and the, and the NBA and stuff like that. But they've all been kind of kicked in the arse because people have tested positive for COVID. And I'm wondering what are a lot of people going to do without sports this summer? Like men are just so down and out at them, but I guess you're not a sports fan. I'm not really a sports guy. I appreciate sports. I, okay. I get it. It's just not for me. What about your husband, Caitlin? Are you, are, are you sporty? I love, like, I like Toronto sports teams. Like I'm a, like I'm a hometown team kind of gal. So Raptors for sure, Leafs, Jays, all that. But um, yeah, no, he's been crushed. And some of my other guy friends and family members are legitimately watching old, old sports and games like at night. Like they're oh, going back that's on- sad. It is sad. So I, I do think it's going to come back in some fashion. I think the NHL presently to me has the best chance of being able to make a return because the two hub cities they're considering operating out of are Edmonton and Toronto. And they seem to have a pretty solid plan in place. Um, you know, NHL players have unfortunately contracted COVID. Our star player, uh, Austin Matthews for the Toronto Maple Leafs got it, but that's because he was in friggin' Arizona. Mm. So I think the places like the NBA and, and the MLB where they were setting up shop in Florida 
in the major hotspot of the USA. Uh, I don't know what they, how they can possibly ensure the security of their players, but I think that they have a better chance in places like Toronto and Edmonton. Okay, sports fans, don't go away. We're going to come back and we're going to tell you who our special guest is today. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. Caitlin Green, Adam Karsher with me there in Toronto. Uh, Toronto's doing pretty good. Calgary's doing better. I have to tell you, Calgary's doing better. We should have taken bets. Mind you, you guys are dealing with 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 million more people than we are. So, yeah, I was like, relative to population yes. size, hey, wait a minute. No, I'll cut you some slack. So we were talking <laughs> about sports and how much men are, well, mostly men. There's a lot of, of female sports fans. So let me take back that really weird statement that I just made. <laughs> Everyone loves sports. Kids love sports. It's a family activity. Nothing like going to a ballpark. I mean, <gasps> I saw one Blue Jays game 100 years ago. It was so exciting for me. We got tickets for like $18. Uh, we got our footlong hot dogs and popcorn, and I think I drank beer at the time. I didn't even give a crap about the game. It was so fun to look around at people in their sparkly hats and their attire and their foam pointy finger thingy glove things. I think that experience of being around people, people watching, is something that I have absolutely been yearning for. Mm-hmm. So sports... That's that was the experience for me because I'm not super sporty. Yeah, and I mean, especially too here in Toronto, like we were just coming off the Raptors championship. It was almost a year ago, like a few weeks ago. It was a year to the day that we had the Raptors, uh, the championship parade, and I was there, kind of covering it in the media area, which was like this sort of above walkway on, at Nathan Phillips Square, right downtown. Because most people I've ever seen in my entire life, anywhere, period, bar none, I've never experienced so many people in one place in my life. And just Imagine. To, see ch- to see the change a year later, right, where we don't even have the Raptors playing, it's, it's, it's really tough because we're just so thrilled about having this team and, and the great coach. And so, yeah, like Toronto's missing sports in a major, major way. It is such a sports town between the Leafs and the Jays and the, and the Raptors. Um, and, you know, and then we've got a great soccer team, too. I shouldn't discount them. But it's just, uh, yeah, it sucks. It sucks for people. I think the Michael Jordan documentary got a lot of basketball fans through um, through the, the winter months because we were so engrossed with that great ESPN documentary about the, the Chicago Bulls kind of in their heyday and his career. But now that that wrapped up, everyone's like, can we get basketball back, please? I think the thing, the takeaway from all of this, I think for every person, no matter you know, what your walk of life is, is the human experience, is the gathering of people. And for as long as the thousands, hundreds of thousands of of years that people have been on the planet, I mean, there was safety in numbers. There there was no, no, I think, civilization that ever realized that they were going to be better taking their wife and their two sons and living in a mountain by themselves. They knew that they weren't going to survive it. So on a real primal level, it's amazing to me, you know, how much we've realized how much we need each other. And it's not stuff. Every time I walk into my closet, you guys, I look at, you know, 40 pairs of shoes and all these jackets and, and I've worn the same three t-shirts and the same two pairs of shorts. I wash them. And that has been in (laughs) rotation for me. And I have lamented that. Like there was part of me that got profoundly sad looking at the clothes for this out for this you know thing or that uh, whatever award thing I, I just don't need it i don't need it and i'm thinking to myself am i ever going to need it again 
I know it's so hard to imagine. Yeah. I have days where I'm just, is this ever, are we going to get through this? I've been dressing like a, like a summer camp counselor for months <laughs> where I'm like, I think I'm only wearing sneakers and slides and like sweatpants and I do kind of love it. But then there are some days where I, it, I feel like it almost, it weighs on my mental state and I feel like schleppy to a point where I just don't even want to get off the couch. And I think it impacts how much I, I even do during the day because I'm living in pajamas all the time. But it's, it is weird. And it's also been weird to, like you said, imagine like all the, all the shoes that I don't wear. And I don't think I've worn a purse. I actually haven't, I don't think I've worn a purse in months. I switched to a backpack if I want to get out of the house. Cause I don't want to be like touching stuff too much. And I don't know. It's like, it's definitely changed. I mean, it's changed absolutely everything. What things will you bring forward? Like Adam, like out of this experience, let's, let's say 2020, this is where we're at. And this is really what life is going to look like. And I, and I feel like we will have vaccines definitely going into the new year uh, and that our numbers will be down. What, what, what part of this are you not going to change that has been a good experience and, a, and a, something that, that's been real positive for you? I think one of the things is just um, prioritizing um, my, my needs, not mine personally, my, my family's needs and, and, you know, just this, because I've been home so much and yeah. yes, of course I'm balancing work, but when I say my needs, I don't mean selfishly. I mean, making sure that my needs like seeing friends and seeing family more and, and spending more time with the family and, and taking care of myself. So that's going to be, that's going to be part of your life going forward. Yes. For sure. And Caitlin? appreciating, appreciating yeah. all that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to tr- definitely try to be a little more patient. <laughs> I'm a very, ah. I'm like a, a very busy person and um, like career wise, I was always doing a million things and constantly on the go. And part of me really thrives off of that go, go, go energy and always having plans and always being booked. And then another part of me is clearly quite exhausted by that because when it all just was ground to a halt, sure. In one way it was sad because it's like forced upon you, but in another way, it's kind of a relief. And so it teaches you to sort of live in the moment and, and be a bit more patient with things and learn that you don't need to rush through everything because I was like, where am I even rushing to? Like, it's just, it's just robbing you of enjoying what's happening to you in the here and now. So yeah, when you can't leave your condo, it'll slow you down. (laughs) There's some crazy statistic about people that work in a downtown core with their lunches actually do not stop doing what they're doing to eat lunch. And further to that, they eat their lunch whilst walking. Mm-hmm. So it's something in your hand. I, I've seen so many people eating out of a Tupperware container walking down a street in Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Um, as much as I'd like to talk about, you know, eating out of Tupperware for the rest of the show, <laughs> I promised people I was going to tell who the guest was. And <gasps> yes. So coming up after this break is one of Canada's, I don't know, most precious commodities. Anne Murray is going to be with us. She's talking to us from her home in Halifax. I think that's been a good thing that came out of COVID-19 was Anne Murray is actually at home. She's not in Florida. I know she spends a lot of time in Florida golfing, taking it easy like a lot of snowbirds do. Uh, But she is now living in Halifax. I hope I was allowed to say that. I'm pretty sure I am. And um, she's just going to be talking to us about her music career and about where she's at now and about the differences between, you know, music 2020 and music 
you know, 1965, 1975. Um, I can't wait to talk to her. It's just such an honor. And you guys will not want to miss this. Anne Murray's coming up uh, right after this break. And she might even talk about golf, you know, who knows? It might satisfy the, sp the sportsman in you. So don't go away. Anne Murray, Canada's very own Anne Murray is up right after this. Welcome back to the Jan Arden podcast. As promised last week, um, I'm unbelievably honored to be talking to who I consider this person of my friend, Anne Murray is with us. She's joining us from Pugwash. Hi, Anne. <laughs> Hi, Jan. <laughs> uh, I think everyone is just so excited to, to have you, you know, come and do the podcast. You have been retired for what are we looking at now? Has it been, I feel like it's been two months, but I know it's a bit longer than that. It's been 12 years. It'll be, uh, I did my last show here in Nova Scotia, uh, somewhere around the middle of July of 2008. I so just I cannot, had, I can't believe that. Yeah, it, had, it had come full circle because I did my first show in Nova Scotia all those <laughs> years ago. And then it was 40 years. And 40 years of nonstop stuff, Anne. I mean, it was yeah. nonstop. Yeah, it was. As a matter of fact, if I had it to do over, I wouldn't have, I would have done things a little differently. Really? How so? Well, because it was too much. I was, I was away all the time. I, I worked so much. Uh, well, you know how Bruce Allen likes to yeah. treat his ex. He likes to give them breaks every now and then. And, he, and there are different ways of putting people out on tour, but I just worked all the time. I would go out for um, two weeks and come back for a week. I'd go out for three weeks and come, I, then I'd go, I just tried doing it when my kids were little. I tried doing it on weekend. I tried doing just on weekends and coming back for the week was too hard because I, I kept trying to get in and out of that space, that workspace. And it, I, I found that hard. So it was easier to go for longer periods of time, although it was more, diff was harder on the family. I think without argument though, in your case, you cannot, you, you are probably the most famous person in Canada, and you certainly were for, you know, decades, and uh, so much rode, I think, on your shoulders. Maybe you didn't know it at the time, but I think you had an entire country that looked at somebody, you know, yourself, from, you know, the small town girl, you know, makes good, but I don't think any of us could believe the international success that you had and, and the speed in which your career took off, Anne. Mm. And I always say to people, it takes one song. So maybe you didn't have much choice. I feel like you must have been pulled in dozens of different directions. Yes, I, I, I felt as if I didn't have a choice because, you know, you make hay while the sun shines. Yeah. And, that, and that was the credo. And, and everybody just went out and and beat the pavement and did what you had to do in order to keep the career going. And it wasn't until, I mean, you always think of yourself as possibly being a one hit wonder. And <laughs> after Snowbird happened, because yeah. there have been lots of one hit yes. wonders. And, and so I, it was about two and a half to three years before the next song um, got to be where 
I wanted it to be. And then the career started to, to get some momentum. And then uh, when You Needed Me happened, um, that was the first song that I had that went number one on Billboard. And so, oh. uh, and so after that, uh, you know, I could have, I could have sung the phone book. <laughs> <laughs> and it, well, it, 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 there was a time when the momentum was enough to keep me going for a while. Did at any point, did you find yourself lying on the bus or in the bed or sitting on a plane in, in kind of disbelief at what was happening? Or is it as you look back at all your accomplishments that you appreciate them more now? Did you appreciate where you were at the time? I was so busy, Jan. I, yeah. I, it, you know what, it, what people don't realize is that it's your work. It's what yeah. you do. And every time I would come to Nova Scotia in the summer, and I would bring my kids and we'd be here and I'd take five weeks. And I, I can't tell you what it was like to drive up that lane, to go back on the road, um, you know, that first week of August and know that my kids were going to be here for the rest of the summer and I wasn't. You know, it was, it was heart-wrenching every yeah. time. But, but I, at that time, I was playing all the big, I was playing all the big outdoor fairs in the U.S. Ohio yeah. State Fair, Minnesota State Fair, all those state fairs because they were big money makers, you know. And uh, so that there, I I had to do it. Would you say you? I mean, you you talk about having to do things different, but I don't know if that's even possible when you're in it like that. Like you said, you worked with Leonard Ramble for many, many years, and comparably, right. he was just as a slave driver as you know sometimes Bruce can be. So well, Leonard, he, Leonard yeah. really had you working. Well, he had. It, there was a. It was not just Leonard. It was also the record company, and it was also your agent. Uh, agent, and and they got together. These three men um, who never had children uh, at that yeah. particular time. And they just got out the whip. And this is the way you have to do things. Uh, this is the way things are done. So I kind of went along with it. But I didn't know any other way. Uh, that was it. We were, all, we were all flying by the seat of our pants. Did you feel like you couldn't say no, Anne? Yeah, I did. You, you said one of the most interesting things. We, you and I talked, you know, years ago at CBC. And this has stayed with me ever since I spoke to you. And you said, Jan, if you want to be in the music business today, you have to be a shameless self-promoter. And mm -hmm. I never forgot about, and I'm like, yeah, that has always resonated with me about people coming up now. It's different from you and I uh, coming up in the ranks. Like now they're just like, they just promote themselves 24 seven on yeah. the internet. Oh. Well, they do. Now I didn't have to do that, but I had to do a lot of things I didn't want to do. Like what? Oh, I mean, most of it, <laughs> I wanted to sing, you know, I, I was very naive. I wanted to get in front of people and sing, not necessarily even be in front of people. I just had a passion to sing. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I don't, I don't, I never thought about all the rest of the stuff, the photo shoots and the boring. It, just, it never occurred to you that 
you're going to be in front of a camera or doing thousands and thousands of interviews. Interviews, yeah. Like it's always so challenging to try and figure out how you answer the a question that you've been asked a thousand times. What was your big break? Now, nowadays, you know what I would say? I'm not answering that question. Really? I've answered, it, I've answered it too many times. This is what happens when you get older, is you just go, no. And when people ask me to do things, I go, no, I did that. I'm not doing it now. <laughs> well, I always call that the crone. You, you have a crone that comes into your body as you get older. I have really appreciated getting older, Anne. Like, I... Even my even my fifty year old self, I'm so different now. I'm all, I'll be sixty in a year and a half, and I'm just I'm so grateful to be getting older because exactly what you just said. I feel like my decision making, I feel so much better with it. I never feel pressure to do things I don't want to do. Yeah, you get wiser and smarter because you you've been there. And what what there, there's nothing wrong with saying no. There's <laughs> absolutely nothing, and it's. It's empowering. It is. Having said yes for so many years to so many things that quite often I didn't want to do, uh, it's empowering. It's kind of like letting the hair, letting your hair color grow up. <laughs> I saw Rick Mercer. Um, he sent me a picture like two months ago and his hair was completely gray. And I didn't know. He says, Jan, Jesus, I've been dyeing my hair for 15 years. I'm like, well, I didn't know. He says, I just can't, I can't even, I don't even know where to get the stuff with COVID. So he sent me this picture and he looked so amazingly handsome. I just loved it. Um, we're going to be right back. We have another whole segment with Anne and I'm just going to ask her just about people she's met along the way that I'm curious about too. So stay with us. I'm here with Anne Marie. You're listening to the Jan Arden podcast. This is even weird for me and I'm not you, but I have read so many articles about you getting compliments from some of the biggest, the biggest acts on the planet, never mind at the time, but in history, the Beatles loved your music. Um, there were just, there were so many people, Glenn Campbell loved your music. The people that I've admired so long. I mean, I, I could sit here and name names forever, but what did that feel like? You, you had so many admirers that were blown away and taken by the, I think the individuality and the uniqueness of your voice and what a beautiful singer you were. Like it just, well, it, I, I think I, I think I was pretty confident in my singing because I uh, remember, yeah. I, I remember uh, going to, um, to do that, a kind of audition with Glenn Campbell. Now he, they have hired me to do the show. So I flew from Halifax to Los Angeles and I walked into a room with a bunch of producers and writers and and Glenn Campbell and it was kind of like okay let's see if this girl can do perhaps a duet or something so he he and I started singing and of course was falling oh. off a log and uh, you could see people kind of relax and go oh yeah this is going to work but how many times are people disappointed when someone, you, you, you hear a recording and you hear them sing live and you're like, oh my God, they can't sing. Yes. I, I think oh. that happens so often. <laughs> well, it, and that's why I think they, they were having this little get together because they wanted to make sure. And then uh, subsequently I became a semi-regular on the show. I did a lot of Glenn Campbell shows, but 
I remember, for instance, meeting um, Perry Como. God. He was a childhood hero of mine. I watched his show all the time. And uh, I remember meeting him and what a lovely man he was. And I, th I thought, you know, he's just exactly the same way uh, as he is on television. And so he wasn't duping anybody. That was, that was wonderful. And I also had, you mentioned people, Rosemary Clooney. Oh, just the best. Yeah, she was the best big fan of mine because she used to tell me that I hit the notes right in the middle. And I, I know exactly what she means, too. Yeah. Right in the middle of that sweet spot. And you do, right? Anne. Yeah, I do. And I always, and it, it's part of being a perfectionist. You know, I, I have to do it exactly right or I'm not happy. <laughs> no, you, you really are one of the best live singers I've ever heard. And I can say that, folks, because I've stood in a studio, you know, two feet away from you and listened to you sing. And your daughter, Dawn Langstroth, I, it must be genetics, but she is one of the other few people in this world that you and Karen Car Carpenter, Anne, are two of the singers that I've heard sing that are flawless in, in, in live performance. You, you're not ever out of key, and neither is your daughter Dawn. No, and she's not. No. She, she just nails it every time. She, yeah. she was, I mean, I, I know we're talking about you, but I've always been such a fan of her and her unbelievable talent. And it's funny, she just walked away from it, and maybe it had everything to do with, like, I'm not going on the road for 20 years. No way. And she's such a brilliant a painter. Yeah, that's, that's, that was part of it. But part of it was also um, people asking her about me. I mean, it oh. didn't, matter, didn't matter where she went. It seemed as though um, they were only interested in me. And that's, that's no good. You can't, you can't spend your life doing that. No. She no. found that very hard because yeah. and luckily she's also a very talented artist. So she... She I've got one of her paintings in my house. And I know. <laughs> it is one of my pride possessions. And I have to say, anyone that walks into my place points at Dawn's painting and go, what, what is that? Is that like a Picasso? Or, I mean, they always name all these famous. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, that's Dawn Langstroth. And yeah. uh, it, I, I know quite a few people that own her stuff. But anyway, I, um, I'm just bringing up this story quickly because every career – I think has moments when reality and fantasy kind of collide. A big moment for me was when I did your charity golf tournament. You invited me to actually stay at your place. And I stayed at your place in Thornhill and then golfed in the tournament. But I, for me, I'll never forget. And I tell this story all the time to people that that was the moment where I thought I'd made something of myself was to like go into your spare bedroom and be like, I'm golfing in Anne's tournament and she just made me dinner and we had a glass of wine and I just couldn't believe it. I was like phoning my friends and Steve wouldn't believe where I am. <laughs> like, do you have one of those moments where you felt like, wow, this is weird? Well, I, I remember um, playing at the, I don't know which hotel it was in Las Vegas and looking out my window and on the marquee um, was my name and right across the street was Frank Sinatra on the marquee and I went oh my god but I've also had moments 
where, and, and again in Las Vegas, primarily because that was the place I was most scared to, to play. And I can still remember people standing as I'm coming back for an encore and I'm going, what the, what the hell? What the heck is going on here? Because I didn't want to play Las Vegas. I I hated it. Las Vegas was hard. And really. and I mean, you were probably, but once again, you know, you're one of the, the, the first people, you know, certainly women to have that billboard, to have that ranking down there where they thought, here's a woman that can do this room. And as you and I both know, you know, Vegas has changed so much as far as entertainment goes over the years. Yeah, it's different. Um, but I mean, just to go and forge that, that whole idea that this works. And you must have felt that pressure too of like, I got to fill this freaking room every night. Well, it's, it's that, but it's also people are coming from everywhere. Everywhere. When you, you know, when you play a, a venue in a town, people have something in common, but you've got them coming from all over the world and they're not necessarily coming to Las Vegas to see you. They're coming to see the shows on the strip. So you, they're sitting there going, okay, show us. So it's an added pressure uh, uh, to try and pull, be, pull this group and make them a cohesive group as an audience. Yeah, because, well, you were an international artist, and maybe that was hard to kind of come to terms with, but you were really one of Canada's very first international artists. I mean, I know, you know, you, Leonard Cohen, Joni, um, Gordon Lightfoot, there was a handful of, there was a handful of you guys that really for 20 years, and that's what we had. I have never met a singer in Canada, another girl singer, that has not listed you as an influence, a big influence in their lives. And that, you, you just don't get that anymore. Like, I always think, okay, you're retired. I know there's so many huge, huge, big, iconic people that are retiring now. Do you think there's anybody coming up, you know, up through the ranks that is going to have that kind of 30, 40, 50 year career, Anne? Or do we not create those anymore? Yeah, I don't think we do. Yeah. I, th I think things are quite different. And also, you can't keep track. There are so many <laughs> who, who can keep track of. You can't. Uh, you know, uh, uh, who is that? And every time I turn on the radio or the television, there's somebody new. Yeah. And there are, uh, there are a lot of talented people out there, but I just They're say, not developing you know, careers. No, they're not. No, as I, a matter of fact, look at these, these shows you see, these competitions. They expect somebody of 15 to have everything. Yeah. You have to be able to dance, sing, pretend that when I was 15, I used to st stand rimrod straight and would hardly look around. I mean, the, the, the Canada, the whole country watched me grow up as a yes. performer. And so I was able to, that was my training ground. So, but, but now you see a kid 15 and, they do it all. But, and I think the advantage too, and, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, I find that a lot of them sound the same. Yes. Like when, when people hear your voice, and this, this happens like very seldom in a, in, a, in a generation of singers, I know your voice in one note. I know that's mm -hmm. you. 
So when we're hearing some of these, and, and I'm not faulting them, you're right, they are very gifted singers, but the tone, that, that sound that's special to you, that, that you hear a song on the radio, you don't need to call the radio station and say, who is that? You know. Yeah, so well, see, I, I know your voice, and I know Bonnie Raitt's voice. KD's. KD's voice, yeah. I know Sarah McLaughlin's voice, too. And those are, those but are I mean, all... These are long... Even Shania. Mm. Yes. Yep. Yep. For sure. But I think that I, I wonder what this generation of young people, I wonder who their heroes will be and what their influences will be. Um, I, I, we only have a couple minutes left, but I, I would be remiss not to ask you about Doris Day because I love you talking about her. And I know that you wrote her a letter, um, like a fan letter. And she wrote you back. Yes, she did. She called me. She and called she said, you? She called me on the phone and she said, this is Doris. Doris oh from Carmel. And I just about dropped it. Anyway, I, we arranged to meet and I spent the day with her in Carmel. Oh, and I wanted to be Doris Day when I was growing up. Well, get in line. <laughs> oh, what a, well, that's what I mean about those moments. I mean, that's how I felt about being at your place and, just so you know, I mean, maybe I've never told you that, but to be like riding around the golf cart and, and that's what it felt like to me. So you were my Doris Day, I guess that's <laughs> how we could put it. But what a, what a great memory. And she lived a good long life with a lot of she dignity. Did. Yes, she did. Very she, much so. She bowed out like a lady and, and uh, had, had such a rich uh, purpose-filled life and I hope that you're enjoying yourself now and I know we've got to wrap things up god this went by fast there were so many things I wanted to ask you but I'm glad that you've had time now just to get up and swim and golf and visit with your friends and see the kids and and grandkids now too so yes what a special time in your life I'm really glad for you thank you and it means everything to me that you did the show today so oh it was my pleasure Anyway, we've been talking with Anne Murray. I know it seems like she's only been here for like 30 seconds, but thank you so much. And um, yeah, you're listening to the Janard podcast. We've been talking with Anne Murray. And yes, we have been. Uh, we'll see you next time. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.